Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. What's up, Fungal Associates? Welcome to Completely Arbitrary, the podcast about trees and other related topics. I'm one of your hosts, Alex Croson. I'm alongside the incredible Casey Clapp. Alex Croson. It's me, Casey Clapp. You uh, know, go. Wow. We've never had this sort of confrontation this early We've on. always been so smooth at the very beginning. As <laughs> oh, if yeah. I never talked over you. You never talked over me. That's right. We're going downhill. We're like a, we're like at the bottom of that toilet bowl, and the, the spin gets really fast before it shoots out. A hallmark of our podcast is that we don't speak over each other. Exactly. Everybody knows that. Everybody does. We probably lost so many listeners. They're so turned off. <laughs> um, what are we no, gonna just going to say, I, well, we're still doing it. What yeah, the we fuck? Are. Sorry. I uh, I can feel my mustache against the microphone. It's driving me insane. Don't don't let it drive you insane. Steer into it and grow your mustache bigger. All right. Yeah, you're actually, for those of you who aren't here, Alex is about three inches away from the microphone. It's how big his mustache is. <laughs> it's gorgeous. Yeah, and it grows straight out. It does. It's kind of like, um, uh, you know, the uh, uh, Yosemite Sam of the mm, cartoon era? Yeah. It's like that, except all the way around and pointing perfectly horizontal. Yeah, it's like Saturn's rings. Yeah, yes, exactly. Man, you could get on a mustache calendar if you grew out your mustache and made it go into a tire ring around your head. I think I could get on a list somewhere. Yeah, probably, of incredible, incredible mustaches. Uh, not quite. There's a list. I used to get that calendar when I was like in high school. Hmm. No, it was more like college. Yeah, college. Of good mustaches? Yeah, there's like the World Mustache Competition. You should definitely look this up. My friend Josh won the Portland Beard Competition. What? Yeah. See, that's what I'm talking about. Like, these, these people who have these, like, incredible stashes and, and beards. It's like, wow. Yeah. Like, you just, uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm a fan of facial hair. I think it's really great. As one who, like, can pathetically grow something <laughs> considered a mustache. Casey, we have some business to take care of up top in this episode. We sure does. So, here's the deal to all of our fun associates our platform for publishing this podcast is called anchor it is by spotify oh. it's their podcast publishing platform their ppp <laughs> they uh gave us the opportunity to opt into a program where they place ads into our podcast and we got you know a few cents for every one that was played <laughs> uh <laughs> And we thought we were young and dumb. This was three months ago. Wow. <laughs> we uh, we thought, yeah, that sounds great. I don't see any downsides. Casey. Yes. Yesterday, you texted me and you said, we have an espresso ad. <laughs> God. And I thought you had missed, I thought you had auto-corrected something. And I, th- I said, 
Nespresso? Yeah, the big question. I think he had two question marks. Yeah, and uh, no, we did not have an espresso ad. Psych, yes, we do, apparently. What? Recorded not by us, but by a third party. I don't even know what that sounds like. Like, I, because I, whenever I listen to our show, uh-huh. it's through the app, like, to listen, like, hear what it sounds like, and right. be like, well, that one sounds good enough. Let's just, let's just press play. Yeah, yeah. And so, this was from, uh, someone, this is from Hannah, who didn't, she didn't, uh, listen to, uh, she listens through, through Spotify. Uh-huh. I don't know. I, I guess the question really that what we're bringing up, I guess, is we have no idea what these ads are. Yeah, which was startling for us. A little bit. We don't like that. We don't we don't support Nespresso. No, honestly, we don't support Nestle. Yeah, I, don't really, I think I might Nestle. by accident. So we don't support Nespresso. We don't support having that ad on our podcast. We are in talks with our anchor rep to, mm. to remove that program from our podcast. We're not interested anymore because we didn't know that we wouldn't have any say in the ads that they were going to put on our show. We also can't see what they are. Like yeah, on, uh, yeah. We can say, oh, here's our ad spot, ad spot, ad spot. Right. And they don't even say, oh, for this one we put in here. Like they're targeted, I guess, towards you know individual people, Which to which Hannah said, wait, Spotify n- thinks that I like Nespresso or well, I'd be a good candidate? Yeah. To which I replied, no, no, no. Spotify knows you'd be a good candidate. <laughs> yeah. Targeted ads are, are funny. So yeah. we're going to fix, we're going to solve that. And we're sorry that if you heard an ad and you were morally offended by it, <laughs> we're taking care of it and we're going to get it figured out. That's right. And we're open to other ads. So if you guys know some great spot that you'd like, yeah, this is a really cool company. We'd yeah. love to see them here. That's uh, yeah, that's what we're doing. Cause you know, we have a platform. We want to share opportunities with great other things that we can. That's right. So yeah, well, uh, yeah, we're going to figure it out, but also it is a, a form of, of support for the podcast. So it's a delicate balance. We're walking the line. Yeah. We gotta, I mean, we have to, I think we have a right as creators to make money off of our art as most people should. I think. Yeah. I think all creators should. Um, but I don't want to make it that way. Yeah, right? I don't want to make it off the back of Nestle. Yeah. They routinely steal water. They are particularly evil. Speaking of a particular kind of evil, Casey, we are talking about a very interesting tree today. Mm, yes, we are. With an ironic name, perhaps. I know. Ugh, it totally is, and I hear it every single time. Yeah. Well, I, I was being—I thought I was being very clever when <laughs> I, I suggested a title for this episode. I said, I said hey, what about tree of hell yeah and we all were like and casey was like yeah Yeah, i've heard that before biggest eye roll you could you could feel the eye on you could feel my eye roll on the richter scale in the bay area yeah yeah that's how big it was you know like some we each we each work most of us work in an industry and all industries have their sort of inside that's true i did this to you didn't i yeah uh what did i do i said I said, oh, we should start a video yes. with saying, oh, hey, I didn't see you there. <laughs> yeah. Oh, hey, I didn't see you there is the tree uh, of hell equivalent of yeah. the video industry. You know what? I'm sorry. No, it's good. Credit. It was a good moment of clarity. I thought, oh, wow. Yeah, I'm an idiot about trees <laughs> in the same way that, well, I won't Casey's call you an idiot. an idiot. I'll call myself it for you <laughs> about making creative things. Well, here we are to talk about Tree of Heaven. The Tree of Heaven. Alianthus altissima. Alianth... One more time. Alianthus. Alianthus. Altissima. Altissima. Yes, that's w- the one. What a mouthful. I know, isn't it? It's actually kind of an... I like the, the, the flow of it. Alianthus altissima. I've already like, forgotten it. Alianthus 
Altissima. Altissima. Yes, Altissima being like like the height, like a uh, the you oh, know, altitude. ultimate. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. So I, I think it. What is it? The uh, high or tallest from Alta High is in altitude. Interesting. Yeah, and that's because the branches, the tree does get tall, but also the tips of its of its branches kind of point upwards. I've heard mm. both things, uh, read and heard both things as a reason for why they call it that, the tree of heaven. Casey. Let's imagine, as we do every episode, that you and I are walking through a forest. Perhaps we're walking here in Portland or any number of streets in any number of cities. That's right. And we come across a tree of heaven. Your uh, your eyes turn mm. sharply black. Ugh. And you foam <laughs> from your lips. And I say, Casey, first of all, let's get you to a hospital. Yeah. And I say also, Casey... Tell us about this tree. What do we see? What do we hear? What do we smell? Yeah, let's talk tree of heaven. There's so many different things there that you brought up that are very important about this tree. The first thing is that, of course, you're looking up. It's a tall tree. It's called the tree of heaven, and that comes from the uh, a Polynesian word for big tree, or I think it's actually the word for tree of heaven. And then there's another one. Obviously, the specific epithet means altissima, you know, growing upwards, like we said. So, essentially... This tree is a big, gigantic, fast-growing tree. You plant it, and it doesn't take anything to to like grow. It mm. will grow. Not only that, if you get like a, if you make a, if you cut one down and it sprouts back. Yeah, I have done this in the winter time, and then the like late winter, like February, March, or something cut down a stem and then it grew back to be taller than me like eight or nine feet tall by the end of that summer whoa one single sprout that's how fast these trees grow that's kind of frightening yeah it's like a bamboo level of speed wow and they get big like i've seen some that are like three feet in diameter they are not small trees at the base again they grow like gangbusters like half an inch a year in terms of diameter growth Mm -hmm. which is mind-blowingly big so this thing, this tree, it grows up. It's got alternately arranged leaves. Those leaves are pinnately compound. So they have those lovely uh, feather-like leaves. And they can have up to like 40 different leaflets per leaf and get to be like three feet long. I love a pinnately compound leaf. But there's so many. And they're so like, they literally are feathery, which everyone loves. Like they just, you can hold them at the base and kind of go whoosh. Hmm. Like, like as that? if you're uh, fanning a pharaoh. Yes, exactly. Thank, exactly. With they a, maybe a, use a palm they frond. Would, yeah, exactly. But they're still pinnately uh, compound palms. That's right. There you go, most of the time. So the other thing about these trees is that they have um, these little, on these leaves actually, not the trees, but the leaves, um, the way you can tell them apart is A, um, they look very similar to a uh, black walnut. They do. That's the one. Like, biggest mistake is between those two trees. And yeah. There's some ways to tell them apart. Mostly, uh, the black walnut only has like 13 leaflets, and it does not get that huge in hmm. terms of the leaf. The leaf of the Tree of Heaven gets massive. Like, it's like two to three feet long, yeah. 40 leaflets going down, and the very bottom sets of leaflets have like little ears at the very base. Like, one little tooth on on this side of the leaflet. Okay. All the rest are almost, they, they have like little tiny hairs on the margin, but they look pretty much entire, you know, smooth margin trees. These two toothed ones you're talking, the ones right next to the pedestal? Pedi- yeah, pediole. Yeah, pediole. Exactly. I you're thought so I was going to impress you, Casey. Yeah, you, you almost did, but the pedestal, <sighs> that's, the, that's the part that hooks onto the fruit. 
Oh, shit. Well done. See, whoever named these made them too similar. They should yeah. be called the Petiole and like the Gornbunk. <laughs> they should. The Gornbunk. That's how he gets fruit. Yeah. All right. I want to keep that in mind. The Gornbunk. As it turns out, Alex, the other thing about these trees is that they have this really cool, like, um, I would call it diamond plated bark. Wow. It's really smooth. It's kind of gray with a little bit of tan, uh, uh, kind of tan marks in it, but it doesn't get very thick. It just kind of stays really thin, and it has these this like long, elongated diamond shapes on yeah. it. At least that's how I see it. And it, once you see it and you can recognize it, it's immediately contrasting to a black walnut, which has that really thick, furrowed bark that's like really dark and, you know, has the, the big ridges in it and looks like a lot more tough. Looks like the, an alligator skin, you know? Yeah. Can I can I make a, a visual comparison Please here? Please do. Tree of Heaven bark. You know, like on the back of, a, um, of an asshole's truck. Uh-huh. They'll have like uh, that. What is that called? That like that's that metal, that shiny metal. That's, that's like, diamond plate. That's diamond plate. Yes. Yes. Okay. Then yeah, we're on the same page. Oh, I just didn't that's know perfect. It. I know, but I love that if two people are like going, they're like seeing the same thing. They just don't know about it, uh, yeah. and then they make that connection. This feels good, Alex. This 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 bark is made of like a toolbox on the back <laughs> of a truck. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly exactly it. Well, so on top of that, it has uh, it has these uh, these little they're, they're dioecious i should note that so they have female and male uh plants okay however apparently many times they will switch sexes or have um flowers that have both in there so they're a little bit fluid in terms of that okay as most trees are however they are so so rambunctious in their seeding yeah oh my god yes they have these little tiny samaras which look kind of similar to the samara of the elm tree we talked about but the only difference is the elm has like you you described it as a flattened eyeball Uh uh-huh the uh the samara of the tree of heaven is kind of like a an elongated eyeball with like swooshes at the side like yeah almost i I'm, i'm trying to imagine what it would be like. Yeah, they look a bit like little fish or something. Yeah, like little fish without any fins. Yeah, little fishies, little yeah, sardines. Exactly, or like the little teeny tiny ones that are, are just like adorable. They haven't developed their adult fins and all those things. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think it's a good descriptor. So the other thing, Alex, that I want to note about this tree uh. is the flower smells and um, I think... Where did I see it? Someone noted that it smells like atrocious. Like they just... They describe it as so, so awful. One of the Chinese words for this tree. Yes, that's where I read it. Thank you. stinking tree. Stinking tree. Yeah. The other thing that smells really bad, the leaves. Another great contrast between the walnut, the black walnut, and the tree of heaven. Oh. You take the leaf of a leaf of a tree of heaven, Uh you snap it off, and you rub the leaves, uh, the leaflet in your hand. Yes. You smell your hand. It smells like this weird, nutty, like some people say peanut butter. I say just just shitty poop. It just smells awful. I hate it. The black walnut has this gorgeous, like zingy, citrusy smell. Wow. It's just like, wow, I really like this is like, ooh, you know, like you can almost breathe it in like a, a, a sort of aerosol that you want to like, like ingest. Okay. Whereas the tree of heaven, it's almost like you're walking into a rancid peanut butter factory and you're just like, oh my God, when did you clean this equipment? This is bad. See, this is, I love this ID, uh, this new ID thing you're doing comparing two different trees that are similar. It's the best way to tell them apart. That's great. 
that is these are this is the way to tell it not to mention there's other there's like you could tell the form of the tree so like the overall morphology mm-hmm. of the tree of heaven is very like it's almost like a tropical um warm weather tree almost like a savanna huh. tree i i see it in um actually an example is in uh the seattle i think it's called the washington zoo washington park zoo up in seattle yeah they have like an africa like they kind of go by continents over there oh. and they have this africa section and the africa section they have a bunch of trees of heaven oh. so they left them there everyone's like well you should get rid of these trees of heaven they're like no it really adds to the aesthetic where they have like this almost tropical savanna like sort of um pillowy like layered effect where the branches kind of go up and then go off to the side then there's another one that goes up and then goes off to the side in a little bit different direction a little bit higher so they have that kind of layered kind of puffy tone to it whereas the black walnut and almost every other tree that would have those pinnately compound leaves will always have a much more uniform and circular canopy that's much denser and that would not be quite so like fagoosh 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 with like these layered kind of puffs around it the black walnut will be one big tree it looks more like a um a thundercloud where yeah. it's just like a lot of layers, a lot of bumps coming out, but it's one big cohesive totally unit. Whereas I was this, thinking cohesive unit. Yes. All right. Same page. We're doing it tonight. This we is the are. same page. We had a rough beginning, but yeah. we're on Here now. Here we go. Man. Here we go. <laughs> As I interrupt you to tell you <laughs> that we're on. Well, so those are the, that's the big thing with this. And you can see on the, the dioecious trees, you have the female flowers, mm-hmm. uh, the female trees that will produce the, all these seeds and it will be littered with seeds. Hundreds and hundreds. Can we talk about the, the the sheer volume of seeds? It's insane. It's kind of stunning. It really is. It's almost like the every single flower produces a seed, and every single seed produces this papery growth from it. Yeah. And then each tree, at the end of each branch, produces thousands of these seeds. Yeah. It kind of just looks like it has like trash bags all over it. <laughs> yeah. These huge bouquets of seeds. It's even worse because in they stay on throughout the winter. Like they don't all drop all at once like the elms. Right. So they will actually sit there and just be like these these dead they're not dead you know they're just these dry kind of kind of papery looking things that hang around there yeah so all the other leaves will drop and then because they're actually they have these um, uh, pinnately compound leaves they will drop the leaflets off of the the rachis that mid vein section that goes right down the middle rachis yeah so the rachis is the term for the the central uh, leaf <gasps> part wow that grows out the rachis yes R A C H I S I believe um yeah so it leaves like that rachis will like stay on the tree so it have like all these weird like long spikes with all these you know dead paper bag things hanging off yeah. it's just kind of it looks a bit ratty which is something that I think is gonna kind of it's gonna be a a, a theme throughout this episode I look at it I look at that tree of heaven with its garbage bags full of seeds and I think what the f- what the fuck are you doing? Yeah, it's it's, it's kind of what it is. And like, what what do you? And it's it. I think its response is going to be like succeeding. Wow. Okay? And you're like, oh, geez, a little bit aggressive about that. It puts the seed in succeeding. <laughs> oh, Alex, get out of town. All right, Casey, I have something. I did a hey, I did a little research. 
Okay. Tell, tell me about this. What did you get? I, I, I love it when you do research. And I way. have a, a source that is not Wikipedia. How about that? <gasps> what? I found it on Wikipedia. Oh. Like, <laughs> hey, that's, yeah, it's a great place to start. That's yeah. what Wikipedia is great for. So this, there's a paper from 1979 called Elanthus. Ah, well said. Uh, by a Chinese author named Xu Ying Hu. Okay. Okay. It talks about a bunch of things to do with the tree of heaven. Uh, and there was one particular little portion that caught my eye. Yeah. Uh, in the use of the tree of heaven root for mental illness, Casey. Oh, oh okay. So, I mean, this, uh, give me some of the terms they're using in this, uh, this article here. The terms? Yeah. Cause I read through two of them and I love it. Well, I'm going to read you a recipe. How okay. about that? For the yeah, for the, the psychologically unbalanced and oh, the mentally disassociated person. Yeah. <laughs> 1979. 1979 China at the forefront of <laughs> political <right>. correctness. <laughs> <laughs> and as a psychologically unbalanced person myself. Hey, I'm psychologically disassociated, so hey. we're good there. So here's the recipe. This is It says, this is one of the oldest recipes first recorded in a Materia Medica published in 731 AD. So this is what an extremely old recipe for, oh you know, if you're feeling a little psychologically unbalanced or mentally dissociated. Give this a shot. Here's what you can do. You find a tree of heaven, right? Okay. Uh, back in those days, in 731, people, mm-hmm. says, uh, the psychologically unbalanced were thought to be possessed by demons. Okay. Well, okay. Uh, for a mentally dissociated person, gather a handful of fresh root. Cut the material into small pieces and put it into two liters of urine gathered from small boys. <laughs> we gotta get it from young boys. Good for well, if you get it from from old boys, then then oh. it's what is it? It's too too acidic. I don't know what I don't know what the difference. Would I think be that there. has the the reverse effect, so it makes you more psychologically unbalanced. <laughs> That's right. Add one hundred centiliters of two she which is a material prepared from black soybean, cooked, fermented, salted, and treated with several herbal medicines. This was used as a uh, health food and a spice. Let the mixture stand overnight. Then press the liquid out and bring it to a boil. Divide the liquid into three to five portions and serve the patient one portion each day. Wow. You're essentially eating fermented small boy urine juice with root in it. Oh, man. You know... And let me tell you... I'll try it. There's nothing like it. (laughs) There's nothing like it. I had some earlier for the last three to five days. I am feeling so associated mentally. I'm I'm feeling associated. I'm feeling psychologically balanced. Yeah. Yeah. You look good. Wow. I mean, I I was trying to tip you over earlier and just couldn't do it. So, Black Forager, get on it. Yeah, please. We have a new recipe for you. (laughs) Oh man, we're gonna have to we're gonna have to find a good source for the urine. Yeah, and are we young boys? Are we where are no. we at? No, Casey, we're All not right. young boys. So we're gonna have to get some some medical doctors to like find out the ethics on that. I put my sunglasses on and I say we need to go younger. <laughs> oh God, you know what's funny about this, what? Alex, is that the the uh, everything, it, most everything. It sounds like I'm. You know what the thing is that clear like people have done this. Sure, like this was a recipe you don't just like come up with some random thing and then mm. just like write it down like this was done probably for hundreds of years yeah and then they wrote it down yes. it was done for hundreds of years after that plenty of trial and error involved I wonder, yeah i wonder if it's still done now well interestingly enough i'm not so surprised about this because the roots of this tree famously Whoa. and really allelopathic 
Did I say <gasps> that right? Allelopathic. Yes. The black walnut. Again, a tree that's often confused with this. Yeah. Vilified, we found out. <gasps> not quite. This tree, the tree of heaven, vilified, duly so. Are you saying the black walnut was framed by the tree of heaven? I think maybe. I think the tree of heaven was like, no, I'm, 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 a, I'm, a, I'm a black walnut. Yeah. And then everyone's like, okay, black walnuts. And now black walnuts were like, no, 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 no. What, what, come on, come on. And just don't plant tomatoes underneath me. That's all. Wow. There you have it. Well, Casey, we're going to talk about that and more when we return from this short break. We'll be right back with more Completely Arbitrary. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Welcome back to Completely Arbitrary. We hope you enjoyed that short break. We hope you, you took your, your medicine. Yes, possibly you heard an espresso ad in that time. We're very sorry again. <laughs> but if there's anything that can help after listening to that, it's not an espresso. It's a little bit of uh, root fermented in uh, some soybean fermented in some uh, urine. Yeah. Anyway. Which we all have sitting in our fridge. Feel better. Feel this, better. Yeah, I think in the recipe it says, this recipe was designed uh, f- for staples that we all have. <laughs> exactly, yeah. You can find it in your pantry. Yeah. <laughs> Casey, before the break, you teased a little bit that the tree of heaven is allelopathic. Yes. Let us hear more, my friend. Well, the reason that we wanted to cover this tree, it's another one of those street trees that were introduced, uh, I think, the United States in the 1700s or so. Mm. And they were like, this tree's so easy to grow. Just put <laughs> it in the ground and it grows fast and it has this great form where it kind of comes up and levels out. It's great. Yeah. Then uh, that like horticulture novelty of it being so easy to grow everywhere in any way, almost like you don't even have to try. That's the uh, that's the Achilles heel of this tree. A little bit of a double-edged sword there. It's a little bit of a double-edged sword. So it turns out that uh, this tree follows this really fun um this really fun descriptor. And I'm going to just read I'm just going to read these uh criteria to you. Okay. And I want you to tell me um what you think I'm describing now. Okay. So a plant that is uh that has these is what? Lacks predation, pathogens, and diseases to keep the population in check. Okay. Produces copious amounts of seeds with high viability of each seed. 
uses very successful dispersal mechanisms mm. for instance maybe attractive to wildlife or requires nothing but the breeze yeah thrives on disturbance disturbed areas very opportunistic it does not need very particular uh spots to grow it can just kind of do it anywhere okay it is a generalist it doesn't need a niche it can just say yes give me literally any habitat i will be fine hmm are you picking up on some of these things is it invasive that's the word well i was not gonna say invasive because you didn't mention that it was like that it wasn't growing in its natural habitat yes i should have i should have added that that would have been the first yeah you're right alex good point that would that was the assumption i was working on sure right here which is um i there's this thing that i'm reading which is from the um it's the the invasive oh what was it? invasive plant atlas of New England is, wow. is what I found and um, really all I was looking for is all these definitions and um, it's just like uh, the organs of a tree where some people say there's like four there's three there's six you know in this case um, they are basically saying what defines an invasive species like okay. what characteristics do all these invasive species have and this uh, came up with I, I think a pretty good list and there's you know a couple others like it's fast growing and demonstrates allelopathy allelopathy you know what this allelopathy this one says A-L-L-E L-E-O-pathy allelopathy wait a moment I hate this word. I hate this word, and I want to know who read this. I want to know who wrote it. This is from 2002, so maybe it's just too outdated. Here's what I want. I want somebody who knows for sure what the correct word is to email us. We'll love you forever. It's driving me nuts. I can't even handle it. Anyway. Anyway. It produces chemicals that inhibit the growth of other things. Right. Let's just leave it at that. Okay. It's some kind of A word. Yeah, it's a real A word, if you know what I mean. (laughs) Okay, and then the last bit um, that they have here is it has a longer photosynthetic period. So essentially, it comes out earlier uh, in the springtime, it stays later in the fall time, and perhaps maybe it can uh, do it during more adverse conditions. So again, kind of a generalist. Okay, Casey, off the top of your head, can you give me five other invasive species that you know of? Yes. Either tree or shrub. Sure, I can give you one. uh, Yeah, let's just stick with Oregon or the Great Pacific Northwest. Okay. Um, Cheatgrass is a is a very very common one over in the east of the of the state. It's not a tree though. Um, The the American, I'm sorry, the European or English holly. That mm. is a very invasive species here in Oregon. Yes. And that is its dispersal mechanism. Again, it's a generalist, and its dispersal mechanism is those little berries that birds love to eat. Uh-huh. Technically, no, it's not a poem, is it? Mm, I don't think it's a poem. Never mind. I take that back. What about English ivy? That was the next one I was going to say. Okay. I've seen a lot of that, and I one of my favorite aesthetics in a tree is a big Douglas fir covered in the English ivy. Oh, wow. Which I know, mm. listen, I know it's, it's okay. slowly killing it, yes. but everything dies. Get over <laughs> <laughs> fair fair point um the uh, if you're down in um in california in like the the kind of southernish warmer areas around say i know everyone's gonna hate me when i say this but around san francisco and the reason they're gonna hate me is because i said in the southernish area oh everyone's like northern california is san francisco it's like it's not that's like literally the middle of california right it's southern anyway. to us yeah right so 
they have uh, a, bear, a very big problem with eucalyptus trees. Okay. And eucalyptus trees, um, they have their own eucalyptus, like what we talked about in that episode, their, um, their chemicals that they have in their leaves and things like that. And so they help change the, the soil chemistry as well. So it's not technically the A word opathy, but it is the, the trees basically inhibiting the growth of other things in some way. I see. Uh, then we also like if you're in the eastern United States, kudzu is a big is a big issue down kudzu. there. Kudzu, yeah, it's this vine that grows up over the top of trees. It's like English ivy over here on steroids. Wow, it is absolutely voracious. It's Sounds crazy. Cool. Then in like Missouri, they have a honeysuckle species. I've know I've talked about the barberry up in New England. Uh, the red or Japanese barberry up there causes a lot of problems, mm-hmm. and they're just species that kind of just take over. I got you. And it's it's fine that they do, but it also causes. Um, it, it's fine if they do in certain situations, and this is something that I've talked about a lot with one of my good friends and and coworkers, Dan Gleason, quite often is that if you are in um, there's another species let me let me take a step back there's another species that fits this invasive criteria really well it's mm. not a tree it's in fact not even a plant and it's human beings Alex. Oh, see what i did there what so, a twist wherever the human is this tree is is surely to also exist sure. at least in like the broadest temperate regions you can imagine so from southern california like literally los angeles and san diego this tree's growing and it's kicking it you go all the way up into like super northern sections way past seattle up in massachusetts it's growing it's kicking it it's loving it this is an interesting philosophical question isn't it uh the part of the criteria for an invasive species is that it was put there by human, right? Or it was somehow introduced, whether the human oh. physically put it there or it came over there because of something else. And this actually, we're, this is, yes, this is kind of where we're going to be going here in a second, Alex. Your question is important because if you add in time to something, isn't nearly everything in some regard an invasive species? Hmm. Where historically, let's say there was, um, I got it, the Bering Strait. That used to be a land bridge because so much of the world's uh, ocean water Mm -hmm. had been evaporated and was on land in the form of glaciers. So the oceans were so low that there was actually a land bridge between the what is now known as North America and what is now known as Russia. Right. So then animals and plants and things, including humans, yep. could cross over and then invade, quote unquote, this new habitat. That's how the first humans came to North America. Yeah, exactly. So would we consider those humans invasive? In some sense, yes, hmm. you would, because they were not initially in this habitat for literally millions upon millions of years. When they got here, they actually had a huge impact on the native fauna that's here. And this is actually going to be another spoiler, because we're going to talk about this in another episode. But there were, I think, something like 60 or 70 species of large mammals, large animals that lived here that went extinct mysteriously at the end of the last ice age. Hunted? Hunted, that's exactly what people are thinking. But then there's also other people who say, no, it was the, you know, the Ice Age. We're going to put a pin in that and talk about that a little while later down down the show road. Okay. But the, the weird philosophical question that we're talking about here is, 
would you consider the that you know those very very first humans which again this was 10 to 15,000 years ago those very first humans would have technically be considered by our definition literally right now an invasive species that came into a habitat that did not have them they spread across the whole thing had a really big impact they set fires they killed native flora mm-hmm. because they killed native flora that's having an effect on the native animal populations and how those spread, they have the then effect a cascading effect on what those animal populations eat. Then they have an effect on what how those trees and plants and grasses and things are moved around in the poop of a you know a giant sloth and things like that. Yeah. So the same thing with invasive plants, and this is Alex why it would become an issue in our native habitats, and this is why I brought up humans to begin with is. If you're in the forest, it doesn't matter which forest it is. Let's say it's a it's a second growth, a new, it's just a perfectly pristine forest in whatever regard, anywhere in the northern or anywhere in the United States. Let's okay. say just to give a nice boundary, you go out there and there's all these native trees, the quote unquote native trees, which essentially have been there before. Uh, let's say Western. Europeans or Europeans came over and colonized. So pre-Columbus, pre-everybody like that. Let's make the assumption that it's filled with only species that were here before that. Okay. Then you bring in an invasive species of plant like the tree of heaven. The tree of heaven, what makes it invasive and what makes it bad is that it starts to grow up and actually outcompete the other native trees that are around there. And then because one of our first things, it lacks predators, pathogens, and diseases to help keep the population in check. Mm. There's no checks and balances on this tree. While as all the other trees, they maybe have to compete with each other. They have to compete with animals, uh, fungus, disease, all these different things that literally keep a, a balance in the population, you know, keep one tree from completely dominating because once it goes completely dominant or there's too many of them, then a disease comes through, kills them all off, right. or at least, you know, sends a big shockwave through their, their population, lowers it. We've talked diversity in the last episode. Exactly. And how important tree diversity is. This is the exact same thing. Yeah. So when these new trees or new species come in and they kind of, um, uh, homogenize the forest or certain sections of the forest, then you end up losing that resistance and that resilience, but also you lose the native habitat that existed there. You lose the native food that supported all these other native um, creatures that were around there. Okay. So creatures as well as other plants and animals and, and or plants specifically. That is a huge butterfly effect from a single tree growing out of the ground. Exactly. And then because that tree, the tree of heaven, let's say, because that's what we're talking about, mm-hmm. it would then have the a word chemicals that grow out and start to inhibit the growth of other things around it, except for its own little new brood. So then because it plants or puts out so many seeds, it gets little seedlings popping up in its wake. And then those create a larger wake and a larger wake. And so you get these little copses of plants that start to take over and actually create their own perfect habitat for themselves. Mm. And they actively do that at the expense of all the native flora and fauna that are there. And famously, these trees just don't really create a whole lot of habitat for other things. And this is another big problem where people say, well, if we're going to plant a tree, plant natives. Um, someone brought up, I think, one time planting an oak tree because oak trees are famous for having like hundreds and hundreds of species of caterpillars and wasps and things like that that grow on them and in them. Interesting. So they have this like they're basically one gigantic nursery for like hundreds of different species of insects. 
which then, of course, has that other cascading effect of other birds and things that feed on them and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. So the big reason that people don't like invasive trees is they're like, well, these have no good value for our native things because our native things don't choose it. They're like, meh, not my favorite thing, and they just go away and they just, I see. you know, they don't, they don't. It's just not their food. Doesn't so they do don't anything eat it. for them. Doesn't do it. They're selected against, which is better for the tree. They don't have any pests, so they're just like, I'm doing great. And they just grow up in their hedge. Yeah. So, all that to say, with the invasive uh, invasiveness of people, you see these trees growing in the city of Portland. And this is the big philosophical thing that Dan and I have kind of discussed a lot, where we have in the city of Portland this nuisance species list. And on that list are any tree that does this similar kind of thing for the um, the same thing as the tree of heaven within the city of Portland or kind of within our, our area. And on that list is the sycamore maple, the European white birch, the tree of heaven, uh, the golden rain tree. There's all sorts of different, um, uh, like species of trees and plants that grow here. Mostly they're all from, uh, climates that are really similar to Oregon. But we get these trees, they grow here, and they're invasive, and they cause trouble in the city. Hmm. Now, some of these, like the tree of heaven, the holly, um, the English laurel, English ivy, those species will get out into our native forest and cause trouble. Bad. We don't want them. Okay. However... If you are already in a place like Portland, which is a highly developed city where there's almost no nativeness that's happened anymore, and I mean that in almost all extents of the word, yeah. maybe the rain, but even that has all the chemicals that come down from all, the, all of our development. If that tree is invasive within an already invaded area, who cares? I see. That's kind of the big question. It's better to not have a Norway maple growing in the streets of Portland because it could potentially make seeds that grow into a natural area in the city of Portland. That's the argument. Or then if it gets out further beyond that, we don't want this to be like a, a sort of contagion spot and the maple kind of keeps going out. As if we keep it in the city of Portland, then, oh, someone in Milwaukee is going to do it. Then someone in the Canby is going to do it. Then it just kind of keeps on getting further and further out, more towards the more rural areas, more towards our native forests. But our argument is that's already happened. That's already going to be here. That's your argument, too? Yes. You're yeah, a Dan, who cares uh, I, invasive kind of guy? I'm a who cares, and there's a spectrum. And there's a okay. spectrum of who caresness, where on one side, you have the tree of heaven, you have the English holly, you have you know these trees that are like really, really voracious plants, and they mm -hmm. will come and take over everything. There's plenty of other species. Almost every city in the United States, every city really in the world, because like we said, there's plenty of species that grow um, natively in Oregon or the United States that is invasive over in the UK or in France or in Australia or New Zealand, you know, anywhere you want to go. Same thing with animals. However, those trees are really bad. Tree of heaven. That's on the, the end of the spectrum that's like, whenever you see it, cut it down because it's awful. Because yeah. it does all these things. And it, its roots, like, will break up sidewalk. In fact, um, the... The what is, what is the book? Um, a tree grows in Brooklyn. You know that book. Um, what was her name? I'm going to look this up right now. You'd give me thirty seconds. A tree grows in Brooklyn by 
Betty Smith, 1943 novel. It, okay. It's, it's a, an old famous book, and basically, um, it's talking about like the blight that was Brooklyn back then. Oh. And it's like, but even a tree will grow here, you know? I see. The tree of heaven is the tree that's growing there. So it's a tree that'll grow in a crack in a sidewalk and like get huge in that crack in the sidewalk. What's at the under other end of that spectrum? The ones that you're like, I don't really care about that. Yeah, the European horse chestnut oh. or the Norway maple or the sycamore maple. Okay. Those are three species that are commonly planted or ha- were commonly planted in the city of Portland as a street tree. Mm-hmm. And each one of those are really tough trees. It's in the nature of being an invasive species. They have very few pests. They're really good at just growing in the worst conditions. They got nice shade tolerance. They have nice shade over the top, which is good. Um, it's bad if you're planting it in a house, like around a lawn, because they have really dense shade, so nothing really grows underneath it. Mm-hmm. I don't believe that they are technically allopathic, but they might be. But I don't think technically. I think they just have a really dense canopy, okay. so nothing grows underneath it. But if there's only sidewalk and cars and streets underneath these trees, who cares? Hmm. If there is, uh, if we're planting them in the harshest conditions in the downtowns of these cities where the heat island effect increases the temperature by 10 degrees and there's nothing but pavement around here and a car hit it in 1979, but the trees just keep on growing. That seems like a really good tree, doesn't it? If you want the toughest thing that's going to last in the harshest place, right. that seems like those really kind of awful invasive trees might actually be the one. So on one side of the spectrum, yes, if you let a Norway maple grow, it will produce seeds that are viable. And in a natural area, you might get some uh, Norway maples growing. However, my argument is, how many natural, quote, areas do we have in the city of Portland that haven't been, A, logged already, aren't completely covered in poison or in uh, English ivy, or were created because we wanted to put a canal there? So it's not really a natural area so much as something that we engineered 80 years ago, and now trees have grown over the top of it. And we're like, well, it's a natural thing. It's like, no, that's a pond. Like, northwest Portland, Alex, was a swamp, yeah. literally a gigantic um lake and we just filled it in so it's kind of like there's there's just like you know the the degree of like like better than thouness like don't plant an invasive species and it's like well look at us we're in the most developed city in the entire state there's not really native beautiful land around here anymore in this in like the romantic sense of it i obviously love my city but i'm just trying to contrast that to like um the national forest or like you know national grasslands like places that are like really like very pristine you know to a sense can you compare the two though yeah i here's my thing i agree with you and i disagree with you yeah go for it i agree that uh, you know a a city i'm going to take portland as as an example because it's the only place i've ever lived it's a curated space right everything about this place is fake we have built everything Mm -hmm. we've built the trees we've you know because we've planted trees in certain spaces on purpose yeah we don't have any like old growth forests in the city right yeah which would be an example of a place that's never been touched that well you can go listen to our old growth forest episode. <laughs> oh yeah i i say that because that's i ran against the wall of the extent of my knowledge about <laughs> old growth forests even though i sat there for an hour listening to old growth forest content sure. yeah uh i think 
the the people who say who cares it's in it's it may be invasive but so are we i think that's a little that's a little um it's a little naturalistic for me i think i think who cares i care a bit because i don't know if 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 you have a home Mm -hmm. and you find a mouse and you follow it into the wall and you find an infestation of mice your attitude is probably not going to be, oh, life is chaos, whatever. <laughs> Allow the mice to live in my wall. Sure, yeah. You're probably going to be like, well, shit, I pay rent here. I don't like mice crawling all over all of my things. They possibly carry disease and they shit everywhere. Mm-hmm. I'm going to have them removed, however you have mice removed. I don't know. I feel the same way about invasive trees in a city, I think. And maybe I'm on the wrong thread here. No, keep going. The look on your face. Maybe I'm reading into the look on your face. I think you're reading into it. Am I projecting? Yeah, I'm just listening here. Okay. Yeah, I just think like, you know, yeah, I think cutting, keeping invasive species at bay in a city is extremely important. A city is is built to like move. Mm -hmm. And when something like gets in your way in the city... You gotta like I don't know, clean it up, take care of it. All right, I think that's I think that's a very fair that's a very fair argument. I is think that a I, little is that a little is that a little evil sounding? No, no, I think I think that what you're leading towards a compromise, I guess. Yeah, In, I at reckon. least the way I'm seeing it is that okay, let's let's admit we have at least we have these trees; they exist; they're already here. They've already invaded just as much as anything. Yeah. Um, but I would I would I would suggest. Instead of saying, let's get rid of all of them, carte blanche, they, they're all gone. Or who cares, let's all keep them because it's already, you know, a ruined pristine, it's already a paradise fallen kind of idea. Right. Where in the middle would be, okay, let's just not plant any more. Yeah. Let's try and keep those, like no more should be planted. But then where I would say we should focus our efforts would be let's get rid of the ones that are in the... Uh, in the natural areas. Work on that. For sure. But also not be so um not be so purist to think that they're not gonna come back or that all the other things that are growing there, you know, like not to be so purist to be like this is a pristine habitat. Yeah. Because they know this is pretty good. This is pretty good. Let's just let's try and keep it as good as we can without trying to encourage new bad things to come in, these other species. Certain species, tree of heaven, get rid of it at all costs because it is uncontrollable in a in a exact sense. Whereas the other trees, it's like, well, okay, let's let's just let's just phase them out slowly or just not encourage the new growth of them. Don't pl- don't buy them at nurseries. Don't don't sell them at nurseries, that kind of thing. If you see one growing in a beautiful natural area, maybe just pull it out, but then if it's the only tree that's growing there, maybe leave it until right. something else comes. If it's growing on the street, maybe leave it and don't encourage the removal of it because that tree is doing good stuff. And in the city, Alex, that's actually the question that has come up most often when I'm looking at a beautiful, gorgeous, gigantic tree. It's three feet wide. It's shading three different houses. It's not causing any trouble whatsoever, and it's a tree of heaven. Yeah. And you're just like, oh, you are providing all the benefits and all the services and all the things that everyone loves. Any person who does not have a discerning eye as to, if is this a invasive species 
or a non-invasive species are going to walk by and just be like, oh my God, that tree is stunning. Yeah. Casey, let's get to our review of the Tree of Heaven. Oh, this is going to be such a complicated one. It doesn't need to be, my friend. Okay. Because we're running out of time. (laughs) Here's how it works. You and I are going to give our final thoughts on the Tree of Heaven and then give it a rating of zero to 10 golden cones of honor. That's right. As our resident expert, we're going to begin with you. Okay. All right. I'm going to give this one right off the bat. I'm just going to just shout it out. It's a 4.1. Okay. It's a 4.1. 4.1. This tree needs to go. Yeah. This tree's got to go. Yeah. This tree sucks. And anyone who plants it, I, you know what my biggest regret is? Not a, I have, you know, it's not my biggest regret. One of the things that I regret is where I grew up. There's a tr- bunch of trees of heaven that were just right across the, the fence line, mm-hmm. essentially. They would pop up in my yard all the time and I would just go, no, no, no. And I'd pull them out like a whack-a-mole. Right. And uh, a while back, after I already knew trees, I could already identify them like I was, I, I knew what I was talking about. One of the neighbors who I didn't know, and this is the real crux of it, I'd never even introduced myself. They had planted this big, light, nice garden and they had taken three Tree of Heaven sprouts that someone had pulled up from their yard and planted them oh. at, in this nice bup, bup, bup right next to their yard. Yikes. And I was just like, oh no, I should recommend a tree that grows that would be really nice that would you know, exactly the same tree and my thought was black walnut i should just have him plant black walnut yeah. real fast and then i swear i just kept driving by did that so many times over the years and now they're mm. now they're like because they grow so fast they're like 12 inches thick they're big trees wow and i was just like casey you just you just should have said something wow man anyway we have our regrets, but then I also, the other side of me is arguing like, yeah, well, now you got this really nice, you know, grove of three trees that are shading them on this side of their house. Ultimately, hmm? Not bad. You stayed You stayed quiet as the regime came to power. Uh, I did. You're exactly right. Anyway, it's a 4.1 because it does do these good things. It has this right idea. It's not its fault that it's so gosh dang good at doing what it does. Yeah. But I hate this tree, Alex. Mm. I hate the smell of it. There's going to be a bunch of other people that are going to be like, wait, you gave the calorie pair like two point nothing. Whatever. This tree at least can get huge. Okay. What do we say, Case? We say- Your, your cones are your own. Cones are your own, Alex. I, I honestly, I was going to say that I, and I was I like, don't say it. it. I heard you. You're going to mess it up again. <laughs> All right. 4.1 for the uh, the tree of heaven. All I'm right. sorry. The tree of hell. 4.1 golden cones of honor for the tree of hell from Casey Clapp. I want to say that when I said you 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 turned your head as the regime came to power, <laughs> that was a hyperbolic metaphor I used for humor purposes. <laughs> Thank you. I I appreciate that you had to explain that. Here's where I'm at. I'm starting at a 0.0 for the tree of heaven. Whoa. And I'm going to give it cones depending on its accolades. I see. Okay. All right. That sounds good. Here's the problem, though. Okay. I think it has but one accolade. What? And that is bipinately compound, or excuse me, pinately <laughs> compound leaves. So it's got one thing I love pinately compound leaves. That earns it one golden cone of honor. All right. And that's my rating. <laughs> that's it. Nothing else to it. It's an awful tree. It's ugly as fuck. It's so mean. It's a bully. Yeah. Okay. It is yep. incredibly, it's, it's such a nuisance. I know so many people who are so passionate about tree of heaven. And usually when people are passionate about hating a tree, like the calorie yeah. pair, I'm yeah. like, that's eh, kind of funny. Like, yeah. Why do you hate it that much? <laughs> I get it with the tree of heaven. Excuse me. The tree of hell. The tree of hell. You know what? We just got to steer into it. 
1.0 golden cones of honor. Yeah, Casey. Simply stunning. We've hit a new low. That's a that's a uh, d- 2.8.4. That's our worst rating yet. That's our worst rating. And that's you can take low. that to the bank. Yeah, you can and deposit it. I don't want any emails. <laughs> Casey, that was our review of The Tree of Hell. It's time to move on to a game. <gasps> Casey. Yes? I'm thinking of a tree, and it's up to you to ask questions to decipher what tree I am thinking of. It's a new edition of Who Can It Tree Now? 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 That's the entire theme song, Casey. <laughs> that was that was too good. Nobody, everyone, he, you, Alex, you didn't tell me that you had another, another theme song to sing. Yeah, no, I like surprising you with these things. <gasps> oh, it makes me so giddy. All right, Casey, here's <laughs> how it works. Now. Casey, this is a very special edition of Who Can It Tree Now? Okay. Because I have in my hands, what, something that we haven't talked about in a long time. I can't read that. What does that say? This says, Casey, this says <laughs> The Sibley so- Guide to Trees by Dal... Dallin Avid Sibley. Dallin Avid Sibley. That's his name. By David Allen Sibley. I am going to flip through the pages of this guide to trees. I will choose a tree. You then have 10 questions to figure out what the tree is. They are yes or no questions. And the information to answer the question must be found on the pages of this tree. What? So if I can't find the answer. Oh my God. Then that question is voided and you have to move on to your next one. Jeez. Okay. Casey. Yes. Please take off your headphones and cover your ears. The tree in question is the red mulberry. Casey, please return to us. I'm here. You have 10 questions. Question number one, please begin. Is it opposite or alternately arranged leaves? These are, I believe they are alternately arranged. Alternately arranged leaves. Are the leaves compound or simple? They are simple. Simple leaves. You're not making this easy for me. Thanks, pal. Mm-mm. That's two. Okay. Are the margins entire or otherwise? Entire meaning smooth. Right. Okay. They are not entire, I would say. Ooh. Are they lobed? That's four. They can be. They can be lobed. Yeah, they can be lobed. Oh my god! Okay, they can be lobed. Question right. number five coming. Question up? number five is coming up. Okay, who can it tree now, Casey? Who can it tree? Okay, so they can be lobed. Yes. All right. So, does this tree have fruit that is edible? Yes. Does this tree have leaves that are lobed? The unlobed, lobed as if it is a little mitten with a thumb, or three-lobed. This These leaves mm-hmm. can be just a simple yeah. leaf. Okay. They can have a mitten lobe. Yeah. They can have a cat paw lobe. Yeah. Or, yes. Perfect. Is this tree in the mulberry family? Casey, it is. Is this tree... Ooh... Okay, what number are we on? I feel like... Uh, possibly eight. Okay, all right. I'm going to get this one and 
in, in a few. Is this tree native to the United States or not? If it's in the David Allen Sibley Guide, I bet you it is. It is native to the United States, yes. Is this the red mulberry? Casey, you have one who can a tree now. Yes! Oh, my God. Alex, I'm so, so happy that that I, worked out that way. I love watching you win games. <laughs> I'm so excited. <laughs> well done, Casey Clapp. Oh, my God. The red mulberry. The red mulberry. It would not be the white mulberry because that's not native. And the white mulberry was brought in because that is how the silk is made not the silk just silk off of silkworms that's great question asking by you i have one other thing i want to ask you if you're still on that page yeah i am is the leaf uh the red mulberry leaf should have uh should be pubescent should have little hairs on the on the on the leaf yeah it says usually rough sandpapery above Aha. okay good yeah yeah so the white mulberry should be smooth it should be not rough or sandpapery correct yes that's how i tell them apart They're when i was doing tree id ah nice ooh, ah, ooh i feel i feel good i this is my most worrisome game really it's, yeah because it's so uh, as soon as you say alternate and um simple uh-huh. like the sky is the limit that's right. like the biggest pot to choose from casey do you do you know oh how low God. the stakes are it, no they're, they're what are you talking about as soon as i get one wrong it, this show's over oh well, your yeah. reputation yeah the plug's pulled there's that's uh, it for a bonus point can you tell me the latin scientific name yes morris rubra killer yes it is in Jesus. the the mulberry family moraceae I threw my book across the room and it almost landed on A, my glasses, and B, my laptop. It was a cool throw, though. I really was like, it, it felt like that was the end. We did it. I threw before I looked. <laughs> I always do. Casey, it's time for our completely arbitrary Q and A. I'm jazzed right now. Yeah, well done, my friend. Thank you. This week's question is from Angela or Angie Smith. Angie says, hey, you two. I've lived in the Redwood Forest of the Santa Cruz Mountains my whole life, and I have two questions for you. Angie, just for time reasons, we're going to address one of these questions. And so that's the only one I'll read. First, what is a burl? I'm ashamed to admit I'm not entirely sure what a burl is. And why do you make a clock of it and call it live burl? Ah, uh, yes. I had to look this one up because I was like, live burl? What yeah, does that mean? What is that? And then she says, much love, Angie. Hey, much love back, Angie. Thanks. Much love back, Angie. Thank you so much for your question. Casey, yeah. what's the deal with burls? Well, so a burl's kind of a weird thing on a tree. Yeah. And there's a lot of different things. And in fact, scientists really don't know for sure. Like, we're just not quite, we don't really get them. Okay. We see them all the time. We can look at them and say, okay, we see what this is, but how does it develop? Like, what what causes it? Like, what mm. what's the what's the it's a deal. But essentially, um, it is bud tissue that has not or has just kind of gone awry. I see. So I've heard a couple different things. One, it would be a burl is um, where you have a bud. Like say a new sprout pops out of the side of a tree and it gets eaten or gets cut off. Okay. Then the tree would then react by then putting new buds or popping new buds around that one where it gets injured. It starts to uh, basically, you, you injure a tree, some trees, 
boom, they get this injury and they're like, ah, they panic. And all of the latent buds that are underneath the bark around that uh-huh. sprout around the wound or maybe one or two. Gotcha. Um, so that the tree's like, ah, something really bad happened. I'm going to put a new sprout, get a bunch more energy right next to this wound. So it's imagine- a response mechanism to the, the loss of the bud. Yes, exactly. But then if that sprout, for whatever reason, doesn't really grow very much or there's this weird, like maybe it gets too much of the certain hormone and mm-hmm. the tree just builds a bunch of new buds. Then you start getting this buildup of buds that just kind of pop out and pop out and pop out and pop okay. out. But then they don't all cre- actually pop out and become new stems. So one thing that I read is it's latent bud tissue that just hasn't developed, but for some reason, the tree keeps putting more tissue and more buds around there. Okay. The way that I've conceptualized it many times is where if you have a, um, and by the way, these can develop for a lot of different reasons. Um, you could have a fungal infection uh, or a bacterial infection that starts it. There's a certain kind of canker that's called a... Uh, bullseye canker essentially Mm. and basically the tree you have this canker that grows the tree compartmentalizes around it and stops it the next year that fungal disease or the bacteria will actually break through that defense wall and then create another layer around that. So you have like like infected tissue, oh. and then it's compartmentalized. Gotcha. Then you have infected tissue, then it compartmentalizes. And so you get these like these trees that basically build up this weird like almost looks like two ears on the side of like you mm. know a, a wound. And that's because they're building up new wood to try to cover over the old thing. But each year it goes a little bit further out, so the tree is going like rah, 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 and it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. Wow. And bigger. Okay. And then other things have been where you have all these buds or maybe like a bud comes out, you clip it off and the tree's like, okay, I don't need that anymore. And then it puts on a layer of wood over the top of that. So it's just like any other wound and you get this little layer year one. Okay. And then maybe the tree uh, responds by putting out a couple other buds around it. It's like, okay, well, I'm, I'm still worried that one I'm just going to compartmentalize over, but I'm going to pop the rest of these buds because it gets that hormone that starts. So then maybe um, you now have five buds. You have one in the middle that you cut off and you have now four around it that the tree is, is put there in case. Then those pop. Then you clip those off. So on and so forth. And you get every single year, each one of those buds gets covered over by the tree putting on a new layer of wood because that's what it does every single year. Okay. So that cambium is all connected, but now it gets really intense because you have, imagine like little uh, little bumps and then every one of those little bumps has a bunch of other little bumps around it. Every bit of surface area of each one of those bumps is cambium tissue that then the next year would put a new layer of wood on, right? Now imagine all those like chaotic interactions where you have this wood bumping up against this wood bumping up against this wood all these little circles and then have that happen and get bigger and bigger over years where you just get this like almost cancerous kind of growth that just starts popping off the side of the tree where you have either a bunch of buds get created for whatever reason and they just don't sprout the tree just keeps on putting on new buds new buds new buds new buds new buds then each one of those gets new uh layers of wood on it every single year you just get this compounding effect of this big massive bulge coming out I was as you were as you were describing this because I have to do this with everything. I was trying to think of a, a humanistic yeah. analogy, oh, of course. Uh, and I thought, you know, I thought I was like ingrown hair, no, nah, not really. Um, malignant tumor, not really, but yeah. like kind of those things. And it's like, somewhere I, in there. I got, I found it. What'd you get? It's generational familial trauma. <laughs> Where it just 
compounds and gets worse and worse yeah. over time. I think that's fairly, that would be a fairly accurate thing. I know thing. it's a little dark. Yeah, but I, if you think about it in terms of a whole population, yeah, I can kind of get there. Yeah. Thank you. Well, I'm talking in the when the tree itself. The tree. Yeah. Imagine the tree is the fa- the the family line. Yeah. Right. Okay. So every year it it tries to cover this thing up, but it just gets bigger and bigger. Mm, yeah, it's it causes not, more trouble yeah. along the way for you know better or worse. It creates new buds. Ah. New members of the family come yes. into the, and then mm. they get that trauma. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So that's that's fairly reasonable. Yeah. Thank I you. think that's a good one. That's that's a that's a deep metaphor. It's a long metaphor. Yeah. You know. Well, essentially, that's what a burl is. Okay. And again, scientists they they're having trouble apparently creating one where scientists love to experiment. So they're like, all right, let's create a burl. And then they would try to create one and then like nick a tree, but then the tree will be like, nah, I'm good. I'm just going to carve over that. Like they just respond in weird ways. So they're unpredictable yeah. in a lot of ways. They are predictable in that they usually happen where buds or where, where the tree would be either putting out a new bud or it had some, something that happened to it. And then you get this kind of, you know, an unpredictable amount of just haywire that just kind of goes crazy and starts building up a lot of wood around these buds or a lot of buds with wood that then comes on top of it. Yeah. A couple of weeks ago, we had a question from somebody who asked, um, what it's something in the tree world that science is kind of out on. Yeah, that's right. A burl might be a good example. A burl is a good example. What exactly is a burl? Yeah. We have a few theories, but nobody's quite nailed it down yet. Yeah, no, well, no one's quite nailed down what they or why they are. Right. And, you know, how they grow and, you know, what's the rationale for them. Right. Thank you so much for your question, Angie. And if you have a question about trees, email us at arbitrarypod at gmail.com. You can follow us on Instagram at arbitrarypod. That's A-R-B-O-R-T-R-A-R-Y pod. Or you can join our Patreon and support the podcast for five or ten bucks a month. You get a couple bonus episodes about other related topics or the Cone of the Month Club where you get a unique mm. cone sticker illustrated by an independent artist every month, Casey. So beautiful. Love that Cone of the Month Club. Me too. It's my favorite. I got so many cones now. I'm a little biased. <laughs> yeah, obviously. Casey, that's been our episode. That has been the tree of heaven. You know, Casey, this is our 29th episode. Wow. And I still don't know how to end them. Hey, slowly but surely, we're just going to turn the volume down till no one can hear our voices, and then we'll just end it. Okay. Yeah. Just fade out from the first second. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. An hour-long fade out. Yeah. The last 25 minutes, everyone's like, what are they saying? <laughs> and then as soon as the next show yeah. comes on, the volume's going to be way ears. Yeah, maybe we should reevaluate that. Yeah, we'll figure it out someday. Until then, we'll see you next week. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Completely Arbitrary, everybody. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Oh, wow. Completely Arbitrary is produced by Alex Croson and Casey Clapp. Our artwork is by Jillian Barthold, and our music is by Aves and the Mini Vandals. And you can support the podcast at patreon.com slash arbitrarypod. And find additional readings at completelyarbitrary.com. Thanks for listening. 